Thank you guys for leading us today. Again, yeah, my name is Matt. It's awesome to be with you. Man, great day to be in church. I hope you guys had a great Christmas. Uh, we had a good time being with our family. Um, we were with my family, and we're actually from kind of the same hometown, so we were with both of our families, which was great. And then, actually, yesterday we were in Long Island, Rebecca and I, uh, so it wasn't too far out. It was like kind of near Levittown, so maybe like an hour and a half. So, But it's a great day to be in church today. Glad, glad that you're here. We've been in a series called God with us, and our anchor verse for the series, kind of the thing that where it's come from is Matthew one twenty three. Maybe you've heard it before, especially if you've been here in the series. But it says, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's an amazing truth in this series. We've talked about all of these different ways that God is with us. We've talked about how God is with us in the valley, that even when it feels like we're going through a valley, maybe we can enjoy God on the mountaintops, but we get to know God in the valley, and maybe God's just trying to take us from one place to the other, or maybe God's just trying to teach us something in the valley, and that's why we can go through that experience. Sometimes we talked about how God is with us in the desert, and you can feel alone, you can feel like it's dry, or maybe like, can God really hear me right now? But Pastor Jeff talked about that in week two. He said that if you can focus on whose you are, not where you are, if you can focus on whose you are, man, you can still have victory even in the desert. And we talked about how God is with us even in the storm when things of life are going crazy around us. Man, a storm sometimes just comes in the middle of nowhere. Now you're in the middle of a storm. But we said that real peace doesn't come from the absence of a storm. There's really no such thing as a trouble-free life, but real peace comes from the presence of Jesus. And last week, Pastor Jeff talked about in week four how God is with us always. And when we know that God is always with us, it causes us to worship and submission and obedience. We looked at the life of Mary and Joseph, kind of looking at the Christmas story. And so today, as we're in the end of 2019, kind of wrapping up, here's what I think is kind of the natural question. So God is with us. Now what? Now what? God is with us. Now what? Star Wars just came out. I don't know if you're a Star Wars fan. I watched it last weekend with my family, and uh, it's supposed to be the end of, like, the Skywalker saga. No spoilers. I'm not ruining it for anybody, but, um, you know, that's the question everybody's asking about Star Wars right now. They're like, now what? We know there's going to be more movies. They're going to have more books and comics and video games. They're definitely, Star Wars is not going anywhere. Disney wants some money, so they'll be making more, but everybody's like, well, now what, though? Because you said this was the end. You said this was it, and so now what? And it's important that we answer this question. We say, oh, God's with us in the valley, in the storm, in the desert. He's with me always. That's great. So now what? Now what? And we have to answer this question because we're at risk of going back to our old way of life. If we don't answer this question the right way, we can go back to our old way of life. In fact, that's exactly what happens in the story that we're going to read today. It's in the Gospel of Luke. It's in chapter 24, very, very end of the Gospel of Luke. But there's two guys in this story, and that's exactly what they do. It's after the resurrection of Jesus, but they just go back home. Let's read it together as we, uh, we can pick it up. It's in verse 13, where we're going to start. should be on the screen for you as well. Um, verse 13 says, That same day, it's the same day of Jesus' resurrection. The same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that happened. And so before we keep going, Emmaus is about seven miles from Jerusalem. And here's what we need to remember. Jerusalem is like the center. Jerusalem's the center of all the activity that happened in Jesus' life. 
This is written by Luke. It's in the Gospel of Luke. And the Gospel, uh, Luke is constantly saying that Jesus is trying to get to Jerusalem. Jesus has to go to Jerusalem. So he's crucified. Now he's raised from the dead. So Jerusalem's like the center. And for the Jewish people, Jerusalem was even more the center because that's where the temple was. They believed that's where you came to meet God. It was in Jerusalem. That's the center of everything. So these guys now, they're going home. It's like a Star Wars movie. Like, well, I saw the movie, and when I was done, uh, we were outside. Rebecca was there. We, we were with her siblings, my siblings, uh, a couple friends. We were standing outside the movie theater talking about it for a while. We were like, man, oh, oh, can you believe they did this? And like, oh, my gosh, that was so cool. It was so exciting. And then we went home. I mean, it was over, right? It's over. You go home after that. What do you do? You used to kind of say, now what? And that's what these guys did. All right, so, uh, well, Jesus, this whole thing happened. Now I went home. In fact, that, uh, the Gospel of John records something similar. He says that Peter did the same thing. Peter was one of Jesus' disciples. Jesus had called Peter to be, he was a fisherman, but he said, hey, I want you to be a fisher of men. But Peter, after the whole thing, Jesus dies on the cross. He's resurrected from the dead. Peter goes back home to his old way of life. He goes back to being a fisherman. And so it seems like that's something that we need to look out for, that we can go back to our old way of living. You and I are at risk to do the same thing. We can know the truth that God is with me. Wow, that's great. God's with me. But today when I go home, I mean, if my wife says this to me, you know what I'm going to say back to her? I'm going to say this. I'm going to, give, I'm going to say this, right? We can, we can live exactly the same way. Maybe when you go home, you're like, okay, yeah, God is with me. That's great. But tonight when I'm on my phone, on my computer, you know, I'm kind of, this is what I do, man. This is what I'm, I feel kind of stuck here. I feel kind of addicted to this. This is just what I do. Maybe, um, maybe tomorrow you have work on Monday. So you're like, okay, yeah, God with me. It's great. But I have work tomorrow, and if this person says this to me, I'm going to give him something to complain about, right? I'm going to make him cry, right? Like, so we can know God is with us, but we can go back to our old way of life. We can just go back home totally unchanged. And so let's kind of read the story together. We're going to unpack it, see what happens, and what God's Word has to say about it. And so um, we'll pick it up, Luke 24, verse 15. And uh, if I should be following with this, but if I miss anything, you can keep, yeah, thank you. Click it for me. So verse 15, they said, as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them, but God kept them from recognizing them. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened here in the last few days. What things, Jesus asked. And there's like a touch of humor because it's, it's all about Jesus. Everything that happened was about Jesus. He said, what are you talking about? Like, Jesus kind of knows what, what the story is, but he wants to know what they think. They said, the things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles. He was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. And this all happened three days ago. Then some women, from our, uh, some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing. They had seen angels who had told them, Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. And so here's what's interesting as Jesus says, so what happened? Tell me, tell me the news. Tell me the story. To me, it seems like it almost has the entire gospel story. They said, well, Jesus, 
He's this big deal. He was a powerful teacher. He did miracles. Then he died on the cross. But then after that, looks like he came back from the dead. He's alive now. And it was verified by his disciples. It's like they knew the whole story. So here's kind of, I think, the big truth that we can pull as we read this today is that you can know the story, but you can miss the mission. You can know the story, but you can miss the mission. For these guys, they knew the story of Jesus. They knew the gospel. They knew the good news. Jesus died on the cross, and now he's back from the dead. In fact, they still believed in God. They probably would still call themselves followers of Jesus. That seems to be what they said, like some people in our group, the the followers of Jesus. Man, they still believe in Jesus. They knew the story. They knew the tomb was empty, but they missed the mission. And for us, we are at risk to do the same thing. We can go back to our old way of life. We can say, man, I know God is with me. That's awesome. But, well, i got to go to work on Monday. Man, I'm just going to live the same way that I used to live. Maybe we can live that way or we can live compartmentalized. That we come to church and we say, yeah, Jesus is alive. The tomb is empty. This is great. But then we go home or we go to work. We go somewhere else. And people maybe don't really know that we're a Christian or we don't live like Jesus is alive. We're just kind of like... You know, back to our old way of life. And, you know, I want to say I'm not trying to guilt anybody. I think that's the journey of being a Christian. Sometimes you just need the Holy Spirit to help nudge you, to keep you on the path that Jesus has for you. And that's what we're talking about today. But you can know the story and miss the mission. And here's how we know. Here's how I know. How can you do that? How can you know the story and miss the mission? They told us in verse 21, they said, we had hoped he was the Messiah that would come to rescue Israel. We had hoped he was the one. So how can we know the story but miss the mission? It's when we make our preferences God's promises. When we make our preferences God's promises. And they said, well, we had hoped he was the Messiah. For these guys, at, at this time, this is during the age of the Roman Empire. So the Jewish people were ruled over by the Roman Empire. And this is so much part of the nation of Israel's history. Over over hundreds of years, they were conquered by a people group, occupied by a people group over and over and over again. And they were kind of waiting for the day for that to change. So the Jewish people, they would look into the Old Testament, their Bible, and they would read about passages about the Messiah, about a Savior for all people, about God establishing his kingdom. And so when they read those passages, they started to feel like, all right, yeah, when God establishes his kingdom, when God saves us, that means he's going to change the political landscape. He's going to uh, get rid of whoever's ruling over us. He's going to conquer the world. God's kingdom will begin. And that's how they began to interpret. That's what those passages mean. And so these guys, they're followers of Jesus. He's on the scene. Jesus is the Messiah. They're like, this is the guy. But then it didn't work out the way they thought it would. They didn't work out the way they wanted it to. They said, well, we hoped it was going to go this way. And because it didn't work out the way they wanted, they just decided to go back home. They're like, well, I still believe in God. I'm still a follower of Jesus. I just, it's not what I wanted to happen. So they went home. They made their faith about themselves. It's about what they got out of it. And we do the same thing. It's when we make our preferences, God's promises. We do it. The, the same thing today. Some, sure, maybe politically, just like they did. Maybe we do it politically as well, like that we believe that there's a candidate who is maybe a political party that we support, and we think this is God's candidate. I've seen that before on Facebook or social media. This is the one that God wants to win the election, and so we, we feel like this is my preference. This is who I want to win, but I make it God's promise. Well, this is who God wants to win, right? When we make our preferences God's promises, but maybe a little bit more personal, we can even do that with our family too, 
Maybe your kids are making decisions that you don't want them to make. And so you're praying. You're like, well, if I pray, then I can control what choices they make. I don't like uh, my, my daughter's boyfriend right now. I'm going to pray. God, I know you don't want them together. Break them up, Lord. And, and now we think that my preference is what I want for my kids. I'm praying. That's God's promise. I'm going to hang on to that. Like, that's what I think God wants to do. Maybe it's with provision. Maybe you need a new job or you need some more money or maybe you wish you could be in a relationship and you're like, well, the Bible says ask and you shall receive. God, I'm asking you. You know me. I need more money. God, man, God you know, I wish I, I was in a relationship with somebody. So, so God, I, I'm holding on to that. That's your promise for me. If I ask, I'll receive. And so prayer becomes about what I want or what I expect from God. And the problem with that is when our private preferences are not satisfied in Jesus, the only thing that follows is disappointment. And that's what happened with these guys. They made their preferences, God's promises, and because it didn't work out the way they wanted, they, they were followed by disappointment. And it's the same thing with us. When it happens, maybe if we do it in politics, when our candidate doesn't get elected, we say, what the heck? Or we say, God, are you really in control? God, are you really in charge? When it happens with our family, when, when we can't control the decisions maybe our kids are making or our siblings are making, we say, God, hold on a second. Like, I was praying. Why aren't you listening to me? What's wrong? What am I not doing right? When it's provision, we start to, we, we think, God, well, I, you know I need more money. Why haven't you provided for me? God, you know I'm lonely. You know I want a relationship. What, are you listening to me? Do you care about me, God? And now we start to feel like, God, do you even care? Are you listening? And we can experience disappointment. I bet for most of us in the room, there's probably been a time where you've been disappointed by something. Maybe God didn't come through for you the way that you wanted him to. Maybe you prayed. Maybe uh, you fasted. I think I shared this a few weeks ago, but that happened to me earlier this year. I felt I was in what I would call a desert type of experience, and somebody told me, well, Matt, you got to fast, and, and when you fast, you got to be specific. You, you can't just be like, God, help me. you got to be like, God, this is what I want you to do, and you got to give them a time frame. you got to tell them when you want it done, and I was like, all right, so that's what I did. I was like, God, by this date, you have to do these five things. Like, I did the whole thing, and guess what? It didn't happen. And so I was like, all right, God, like I thought, you know, this is how it works, and that's not really how it worked. And so I followed by disappointment. Maybe somebody promised you that if you prayed, God would take it away, and, and God didn't take it away. Maybe somebody told you that if you gave your life to Jesus, everything would be better, and everything would be easier. And ever since you've been a Christian, things really haven't been a whole lot easier for you. And if that's you here, I'm sorry that if that's maybe what somebody has told you or that's what your experience has been, but I would tell you this, man, don't reject faith in Jesus just because of that. The truth of Christmas that God is with us, it's not that God's going to take away everything or he's going to answer every single prayer that we ever, ever pray. The truth of Christmas is that God is with us. God is with us no matter what we're facing. And that's what our entire series has been about. That's what Jesus says in John 16, 33. In this world, you'll have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world, and Jesus is with us. And so how can you know the story but miss the mission? It's when we make our preferences God's promises. Let's see how Jesus responds in the story. Remember, Jesus asked them, he's like, all right, tell me about what happened. Tell me, tell me what's going on in Jerusalem. They tell him. And here's Jesus' response in verse 25. Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? 
Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So Jesus takes them through the Bible. I think that would have been a pretty cool Bible study to be part of. I'm I'm a bit of a Bible nerd. I love studying the Bible. Probably most of the staff, I think they're all kind of the same way. Some of you guys here, maybe you love studying God's Word. And, and so, man, thinking about Jesus himself, talking about the Bible, talking about the Scriptures, and this Bible verse was talking about the Messiah, and look how it was fulfilled. I mean, that would have been pretty cool, right? But here's kind of what we learn. Here's the big thing, the takeaway, I think, from this verse that Jesus says, is it's not about us. It's about Jesus. It's not about us It's about Jesus. Our faith isn't about ourselves. Our faith isn't about our preferences or what we want God to do. In fact, that's the whole series. We said that God is with us in the valley, in the desert, in the storm. God is always with us, that Jesus has peace and purpose for me in the storm. That, wow, God, thank you that it's not about me. It's not about my problems and what I'm dealing with. Jesus, it's about you and what you're trying to do through me. And Jesus uh, says he took him through in verse 27, All the scriptures, the things concerning himself. In fact, that's what he told the Pharisees one time. The Pharisees were the religious people of that time, and they worshiped the Bible over God. They thought the Bible was the most important thing that they could do or listen to or follow. Jesus says this, John 5, 39, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. The scriptures point to me. That's what Jesus said. And if you're here today, maybe you're not a Christian, you're like, okay, like what, like if I was here right now, if I was like, you guys think the Bible's important, the Bible points to me, Matt Jones, like you'd be like, all right, get off the stage, dude, like stop it. But Jesus, because he died on the cross and then authenticated his claims by being raised from the dead, he's resurrected from the dead, now we can follow him. And he says, so the scriptures point to me. I've heard it said this way, that the key to understanding the scriptures is to see Jesus Christ on every single page, man. That's what Jesus is saying, man. It's not about us. It's not about me reading the Bible and saying, all right, God, how can you make my life better? Or or, this is what I want from you. It's about Jesus. These guys, they had the knowledge of the gospel. They had the knowledge of the good news. They had the knowledge of the Old Testament. They had Bible knowledge. But it's not just Bible knowledge. It's the truth that comes from the Bible. Jesus says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the truth. It's not about memorizing scripture. It's about knowing Jesus. Jesus is the one that brings transformation. It's all about Jesus. And so what we have to do, we have to recognize, man, what are my preferences? What are my preferences that I've made God's promises? What are the things that I'm hanging on to that I expect from God? God, I want you to do this in my life. And how can I give it over to Jesus It's all about Jesus. We have to stop making it about ourselves and make it about Jesus. On Christmas Eve, uh, we actually weren't here. Rebecca and I, like I said, we were with our family. It was great. Pastor Jeff was like, hey, you know, don't worry about it. You know, you can be with family. And so that was really nice. We enjoyed it. And we were at um, the service at uh, our home church. My dad's a pastor there. And we did the candlelight service there. He has like, you know, the, uh, the candles. And, and the front is like the main candle kind of represents Jesus. And he's explaining the symbolism behind it, but I really liked what he said. He took his candle, and he was like, notice that for me to light my candle, I can't just be next to the main candle. I can't just put my candle next to it. In fact, maybe my candle will melt. I have to bend my candle to receive the light in order to get it, right? I have to bend, and what that means is I have to bend my will to Jesus' will. That's what that means. And so we have to recognize, man, where are the places that this is what I want from God, and, and what, where do I have to bend my will to Jesus as well. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. 
And so if it's all about Jesus, what should the answer to our opening question be? If we're saying, all right, God with us, right? God's with us in the valley. God's with us in the desert. God's with us in the storm. God is with us always. So what do we do? God with us, now what? What's the answer? If it's all about Jesus, this is what I believe the answer is. The answer is, now tell someone. God with us in the valley. God with us in the desert. God with us in the storm. God with us always. So now tell someone. Now tell someone about it. This was the missing ingredient from their gospel summary, the two guys on the road to Emmaus, Jesus is like, all right, so tell me about what happened. And it seems like they had told him the entire gospel. Like, yeah, this is the good news about Jesus, but I think there was one missing ingredient, and it was the fact that you need to tell somebody. I think that's what was missing. Because later in the story, Jesus appears to them again, and he gives them his gospel summary. He says, all right, this is what happened, and there's a key verse that I think um, that, that illustrates this. So let's read it. It's in verse 44 where Jesus summarizes what happens. He says, when I was with you before, I told you everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. He's kind of referencing the conversation that we just read. He opened their minds to understand the scriptures and he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. But this, verse 47, is what I believe is the key missing part that they did not include in their gospel summary. He said, it was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. Therefore, there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. And you are witnesses of all these things. And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. And so we're saying, God with us, now tell somebody. This was the missing, uh, the missing ingredient from their gospel. These guys knew the story, but they missed the mission. Why? Because it was about them. It was about their preferences that they made into God's promises. Man, when we make Christianity about us, other people will miss out. When it's about what I want, what I expect from God, then other people miss out. But Jesus died for all of the sins of mankind. He died for all of the sins of the world. Jesus wants this message to be proclaimed. This was always the plan. In fact, one of the verses that uh, maybe Jesus could have shared in that epic Bible study of like what, you know, the scriptures that point to the Messiah from the Old Testament, one of them people believe he could have brought up is Isaiah 49.6. It says this, you will do more than restore the people of Israel to me. I will make you a light to the Gentiles and you will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. It's, that's always been the plan. It's not about us. It's about Jesus and his mission. And so Jesus wants the gospel the good news to be proclaimed to all people, to all nations. It's available for all people. He wants it to be proclaimed by those who have witnessed him. If you're here and you have experienced God with us in a valley, if you've experienced God with you in a desert, if you have experienced God with me in the middle of a storm, if you know the truth that God is always with you, then Jesus wants you to go and tell somebody, that's what he wants you to do. So God with us in the valley, in the desert, in the storm, he's always with us. So now tell somebody. And here's what's really cool about Jesus. He tells us, he shows that's what he wants us to do, but then he models it for us. God, he says, go tell somebody, but then he shows us how to do it. And so if you're here today, you say, Matt, that sounds cool. God with us. Now tell somebody, how do I do that? How do I live that out? What am I supposed to do next? Jesus modeled it for us. This is the next thing he shows us. If you want to share Christ with somebody, if you want to tell somebody, the first thing you do is you walk with them. 
You walk with them. That's what Jesus modeled in this story. He walked with them. Sometimes you have to play the long game. If you want to tell somebody, hey, the truth, God is with us always. If you want to share Jesus with other people, it's not always just a conversation. You don't always have to just preach at them or share a Bible verse or something like that. Sometimes it's just walking with them, being in their presence. Jesus walked with these disciples. In the story, it actually says that he would have went further with them if, if, if he needed to do that. And so people, uh, people view that as like Jesus, you know, he would have gone as long as it, as it took to walk with them, just being in their presence. In this story, it took the living, breathing presence of Jesus himself to open their eyes to the gospel. It took the living, breathing presence of Jesus himself, not a Bible verse, even though he did a Bible lesson, it was the living, breathing presence of Jesus that opened their eyes to the gospel. And for us today, man, there are many people that it, it, maybe it takes the living, breathing presence of a Christian filled with God's spirit to open their eyes to the gospel. Man, and so we need to walk with somebody. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're a young adult and you're here today. Maybe there's somebody you work with that you, uh, tomorrow you're going to be there. You say, hey, how was Christmas? How'd it go for you guys? And somebody would say, you know what? Yeah, it was all right, but somebody in my family sick. My grandfather's sick, and, uh, you know, it was kind of tough for us this year. We're, we're really not sure. We're scared about his health. And, and you could say, oh, you know what? Last year, the same thing happened to my family. My uncle, my grandfather, somebody in my family was sick. And, you know, I was so grateful that my church family was, was, stood by me during that time. How can I help you? How can I stand by you? What can I do to help you? It's walking with them. You don't always have to preach for them, but you can be that person to walk through life with them. You can be Jesus to that person. And here's what else I think is key. Jesus wants us to go out and walk with people. In that passage, he says that it's, it's to begin in Jerusalem and they're, and they're to go out, uh, to go out and to reach other people, that you're not supposed to wait for them to come to you. This is, this is a reversal of what the Jewish people understood. When they, when they read the Old Testament passages, knowing that God's kingdom would come, they viewed it, remember, Jerusalem is the center of everything. So if you don't belong to God, they, they viewed the Gentiles don't belong to God. If you wanted to come to God, you had to go to Jerusalem, be in the temple. That's where God's presence came to earth. That's where you met God was in Jerusalem. But Jesus says, okay, yeah, you start in Jerusalem and then you go out. You walk with them. You go out from here. So it's not about like, well, man, Matt, I'd love to tell somebody, you know, I'm kind of waiting for somebody to come through church that God kind of draws my heart to and I can say, hey, are you, do you believe in Jesus? It's not about waiting for somebody to come into church. It's for us to go be the church to other people. We're supposed to go from here and walk with them. Starting with Christmas and completed at the cross at Easter, Jesus changed the game. It's not go here to experience God. It's God with us. God with us. You've probably heard this verse before. I, I believe Pastor Jeff read it during this series. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. It's interesting. Jesus says, I'm always with you. Actually, Matthew 123, that's the beginning of Matthew. He says, Emmanuel, God with us, right? And this is the end of the gospel of Matthew. I'm with you always to the end of the age. But it's interesting to me that Jesus says it in the context of missions. Hey, guess what? I'm always with Emmanuel, God with us. I'm with you in the valley. I'm with you in the desert when you feel alone, when you feel dry. I'm with you in the storm when everything's crazy. I'm always with you. So you know what? Go walk with somebody. Why? Because I'm with you. 
that's what Jesus says. Walk with somebody. Tell somebody. You can walk with them. You can be Jesus to those around you. And so how else do you tell somebody? You walk with them, but I think there's more in the story that we see here. You walk with them. The next thing is that you need to say something. Sometimes it's about saying something. That's what we see in the story. What, um, you know, a lot of times we don't need to say anything to somebody. It's just our presence. It's just being in their presence and preaching. Maybe, maybe that wouldn't make any sense to say a Bible verse. or I read this today, but, you know, sometimes being in somebody's presence, maybe they don't really know we're a Christian or they, or they know, but sometimes all you have to do is just say something. Hey, uh, let them know that you're a Christian. Let them know that you want to pray uh, with them. And the story, once they realized that it was Jesus who appeared to them, these two guys on the road to Emmaus, they told somebody. They went out and told somebody. Here's what it says in, uh, in verse 32. It says, they said, they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem and there they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them who said, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. And so they went out and they told somebody. And the best evidence uh, that, that we have read the Bible, that we've understood the Bible, and that we've experienced the risen Christ is that we have something exciting to share with other people. That's what these two people did in the story, man. They, they were on their way one way. They actually they didn't even finish their dinner. They're like, uh, on the, within the hour, they go back and they shared what Jesus did in their life. Man, when you have something exciting, you tell other people about it. A couple weeks ago, um, the Yankees, they signed Garrett Cole. I don't know if you know about this. Garrett Cole's like the best starting pitcher in baseball. They record-breaking deal, $324 million over nine years. I was excited. I texted like six different people. I'm like, yo, you hear about that Yankee deal? And then to the office, I wore, uh, I wore my Yankees hoodie like the next two days. I was like representing because it was exciting. I was like, yeah, I got something exciting to share. The Yankees signed Garrett Cole, best pitcher in baseball. World Series are going to win 2020. When you have something exciting to share, you share with other people. Man, even Star Wars, I was excited about Star Wars last week. Man, I don't care if you like it or if you don't like it. I love it. And I'll watch the movie. I could tell you everything I love about it. I can tell you what I was disappointed by. I can tell you who my heroes are, who I don't like in the movie. Why? Because it's exciting to me. And so how much more should I share Jesus with somebody? How much more should I share Jesus who has saved my soul? Jesus who is with me no matter what I'm facing. Jesus who's with me in the valley, in the desert, in the storm. Jesus who's with me always. Sometimes it's not about waiting for somebody to ask you, hey, uh, what's different about you? Sometimes it's just being confident that God is with you and saying something to somebody. Uh, Pastor Jeff read this last week, 1 Peter 3.15. It says, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if somebody asks you to, uh, about your hope as a believer, Always be ready to explain it. Sometimes you've got to be vocal. Be, always be ready to give an answer for what you believe. And so I want to help you. If you say, all right, that sounds cool, but, but what do you say, man? I'm not sure what to say. Man, I, I think some different things that you can say to somebody is maybe tell somebody what God did in your life in 2019. You're talking about, hey, how was Christmas? And, oh, what are your plans for New Year's? And, and man, what was it like for you this year? Kind of, again, natural time to reflect as, as uh, the uh, at New Year's time. And maybe if you've been in a storm or in a desert or in a valley, God has come through for you. If you've experienced God with us, you can tell somebody that, hey, you know what? This was kind of tough for us. We were going through this, but um, it's really cool. I, I felt like God was with me or God provided for me in this time. And maybe, maybe somebody around you is going through an experience like that, and you can share Jesus with them. You can say, man, that, man that's really tough what you're going through. I, I, I don't know really what to say, but I can tell you this. I believe that God loves you, and I, 
I believe that God is with you. I believe that he has a plan for you. I'm not, I'm not telling you, I'm not trying to force my belief on you. I'm not telling you how to live your life, but I really believe that God loves you and he, he wants to make a difference in your life. You know, is there any chance I can pray with you? You can say that to somebody. You can, you can do that. Sometimes just making the comment that you go to church or that you're a Christian opens up a whole conversation. Maybe somebody's like, oh, hey, so what'd you do for Christmas? You say, oh, yeah, uh, Christmas Eve, we went to church. You know, church is really important to our family, and, and, and we really enjoyed it. And then we did this, and then we did that, and then we did that. But sometimes just saying church, sometimes just saying, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian, or, or oh, yeah, we believe in God, whatever. Sometimes you just say that, all of a sudden a box opens for people. Oh, church, yeah, you know, we used to go, and I, I, it's been a long time. I, I haven't been there for a long time. Sometimes just making the comment, just saying something is a way that you can tell somebody and share Jesus. And so how do you tell somebody? You walk with them, you say something, and here's kind of our, our last thing that we'll talk about that we see from the story today. If you want to tell somebody, you need to know your story. Know your story. Here's what I think is really cool in the story. If, if we check in verse 35, these guys, they go, they know, they've experienced Jesus, they go to tell other people about what happened, and here's what they say in verse 35. It says, um, let me get it here. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they recognized him as he was breaking the bread. They just shared what their story was. They didn't share the Bible lesson that Jesus told them. Again, I think it would have been pretty cool. Like Jesus himself explaining the Old Testament and being like, this points to me, this points to me, and this was fulfilled, and this was fulfilled, and this event that happened. Like, I'd be like, that's crazy. But they didn't share that. They didn't say, oh, in Isaiah 49, 6, blah, 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 blah. Like, they didn't do that. They said, I was walking on the road, and then Jesus was there. And then we were eating dinner, and he like broke the bread, and I was like, Jesus. And so now, then I turned around, and now I'm here. That's what they shared. They shared their story, their experience of God. If you're here and you have experienced God, if you've experienced God with us in a valley, in a desert, in a storm, if you've experienced that, that's all you have to share with somebody is just share your story. It's not Bible knowledge. It's the Bible truth. It's the truth that comes from the, uh, the Bible that transforms. You just share what Jesus did in your life. Revelation 12, 11, it says this, they defeated him, which is the enemy. They defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Sometimes it's just sharing your story. They, they overcame by the blood of the lamb, Jesus himself, and by the word of their testimony. You're just being a witness. You're just witnessing, hey, this is what happened. You're, we're not supposed to be uh, judges or condemners. We're not an attorney that says, well, you didn't follow this and you're not really living this way. I don't think God's happy with you. That's not what we share. We're just a witness of what God did in our life. A witness is somebody who just sincerely shares what they've seen and heard. Hey, man, here's what I can tell you. I live this way. Jesus is in my life. Now I live this way. And I think he can do the same for you. That's all I'm saying. I'm just a witness to what Jesus has done. That's what Jesus says in verse 48. You're witnesses of all these things. People, when you say, well, I believe the Bible. I think it's inspired. It's infallible. It's God's word. People can say, well, I don't think I believe that. You can say, well, you know, these different things. But when you say, well, hey, this is what happened in my life. People can't deny what happened in your life if you know your story. And so who is God calling you to reach? Who is God calling you to reach? If you're here, maybe you're a young adult or maybe you're an adult at is there somebody at your job? But there's, maybe there's multiple people at your job that God is calling you to reach. Maybe right now there are some people even coming to your head. Yeah, that's somebody that I can walk with them. 
I can walk with them. I know what they're going through right now. I can walk with them. Or you know what, that's somebody, I could say something. I, I, I think I should say something. Is there somebody maybe that you work with at your job? Maybe you're a teenager. Maybe it's a friend that you go to school with. Maybe somebody uh, on your team, if you play a sport or, or you're an extracurricular activity, is there somebody, a teammate that you can walk with, a teammate that you can say something to, a friend or a student? Maybe you're a parent here. Your kids absolutely are somebody that you can share Christ and tell somebody, absolutely, that's your responsibility as a parent. But maybe there's somebody else too. Maybe uh, if your kids are a part of a daycare, there are other parents there. Is there another parent that I can walk with? Another parent that I can say something? Another parent that I can share my story with? Who is it that God has placed in your life? Maybe you're here and you're retired. You're like, well, I don't have a job to go to. I'm not sure who to talk about. There's still somebody that you can reach. Maybe it's your neighbors, your next-door neighbors. Maybe it's some friends. Maybe you recently caught up with somebody on Facebook or on social media. You're like, man, I haven't talked to that person since before I was a Christian. Now I'm a Christian. Things are a little bit different. Maybe that's somebody that you can reach out to, somebody that God wants you to tell. Maybe you're here and you feel limited in some way. Maybe you're disabled in one way or another. Maybe it's tough for you to get out of the house or for health reasons, this or that, and you feel like, man, I don't know if I really could reach anybody, but I'm telling you, you can. Ephesians 2.10, it says that we are God's masterpiece, that we are his workmanship. He's prepared good works for us to walk in from beforehand. So, so Jesus has a plan for you. Jesus has good works for you to live out. So no matter who you are, even if you feel limited right now, you can still be an example of faithfulness, maybe to your friends or to your family, a, an example of faithfulness, what it's like to continue to pray and to know the truth that God is with us. You can still reach out to somebody. And here's the last thing I want to say about it. And uh, musicians, if you guys want to give us some music, you guys can come on up here. Uh, thank you for doing that. But here's the last thing I want to say. When it comes to who you should reach out to, God wants you to tell somebody about this amazing truth, God with us. It probably involves being right where you are right now. God wants you to reach out to whoever you're with right now. You don't have to wait for it to be spelled out in the stars like, well, I don't know if God's really been, I, I'm waiting for him to speak more to me about it. You don't have to wait for that. And you don't have to be like, well, I don't know what God's call is right now. I'm still trying to figure it out. Where you are right now is, is where God wants you to make a difference. Just do it. Just like, just like um, the guys did in this story. They just went and they told somebody. And so we've said, God with us. It's an amazing truth. That's the truth behind Christmas. It's that God is with us. He's with us in the valley, in the desert, in the storm. He's always with us. And we've said, so now what? You can know the story, but you can miss the mission. How does that happen? It's when we make our preferences God's promises. And so we just need to recognize that in our life and remember that it's not about us. It's all about Jesus. And so God with us tell somebody. Now tell somebody. And how do you tell somebody? You walk with them, you say something, and you know your story. That's the truth of Christmas time today. And so I'm going to invite you as we wrap up, you can stand to your feet if you're able to do that. Um, we won't have, uh, I won't have you come up front today or anything, but I, I want to give you the chance to respond. And so um, as you're standing up with